Praise be Jesus Christ. Slava Isusu Christu. Please be seated. <clears throat> My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, in today's gospel, we picture Jesus on a mountain praying. And in the commentary from Matins this morning at the canon, it said that the mountain that Jesus was praying on was built of rhinestones, diamonds, all sorts of jewels, gold, silver. Now, I don't think the fathers of the church were telling us literally but he, what, was, what was Jesus kneeling on? What was he praying about? That was the gold and silver. That was the treasure that brought Jesus up to the mountain to pray with the Father. And he mounted up a great treasury of holiness, sanctification, healing, good works. We must imitate him in our prayer and in the treasury. So you examine your conscience. What do you see? Around us, we have very few mountains of prayer. One of the reasons the monastery is here in the Green Mountains, I mean the Blue Mountains, is that uh, it's a high place, place people go to pray. And yesterday we had our patronal feast of the cathedral, and of course the, it's a cathedral of the Holy Transfiguration. And yesterday was a great feast day of the Transfiguration, our Lord on the holy mountain, his mountain of prayer. It seems like to me, when you read about the mystics of the church, they're always going to a high place, a holy mountain, to reach for God, to be close to him. So their hearts will be the treasure, the jewel that it should be in a temple of prayer. Yesterday here in the temple, just the monks were here. We had a few other people. It was nice. A lot of people don't keep all the feast days. That's, that's to their loss. They're very wonderful and they teach us a lot. So we started out in the morning with matins, or the early prayer of the church. Morning prayer was beautiful. The psalms were reduced because it was not a penitential day. We only had psalms that spoke of glory in prayer. And then the readings were magnificent, inspired us to pray and think about the transfiguration of Jesus Christ on the mountain. After that, we had a little procession around the church inside because we don't have an outside porch. I'm hoping to put it on one of these days. 
so we can go all the way around the church, even in the weather up here. And we pre- announce the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, a selection from each one the four corners of the earth to remind us of what our vocation is as a Christian. And then we celebrated the liturgy and were fed on the body and blood of the Lord in this house of the Holy Trinity. What a magnificent expression of faith and celebration. Of course, we went in the monastery and we had a sort of a nice luncheon for different meats and things because we're not fasting yesterday. And uh, the rest of the day we rested because it took a lot of energy to sing everything and do all the beauty that we celebrated yesterday. And I think we're still a little bit tired because I noticed this morning that matins was sort of slow, uh, slower than usual. They were, they were worn out. But it's a good thing to be worn out with the prayer of God and doing his works. So we're always talking to you about hesychism and the prayer of the heart. And of course, your heart is where God dwells in his divine energies, which come from the Father through the Son and powered by the Holy Spirit. I retreat that many times so you, it becomes indelible in your mind. And that energy that comes, that holy energy, sanctifies a person. And it's truly a product of the interior life of the Holy Trinity. It is not of God's substance, but a product of the interior life of the Holy Trinity. So, if you go around the world, uh, travel a bit, if you had that opportunity, you see many beautiful things. I was in Paris one time looking when I was in the military. It was easy for me to get to the continent. And they blew up part of Sacre Coeur while I stood there watching. Some idiot blew <laughs> this beautiful white marble church up on a hill in Paris. Beautiful. Everybody goes to see you know, Notre Dame, well, that's the cultural church of, of the French, but it's not the most beautiful church in France. And as you go, I was very fortunate to spend 30 days in Europe. I went up to Switzerland. I spent a week retreat there in prayer. And uh, it's more rocky than here. You think you have it hard to plan something. It's really a mess there, but... There's people and there's beautiful monasteries. Pius XII used to go up there for his retreat when he was pope, or before he was pope. So I went to see that, and I stayed in a guest house, a German guest house, and I'd get up in the morning and celebrate divine liturgy in their chapel, and all these German ladies were there on uh, retreat, and on my table at breakfast, there were always a pile of chocolate. Isn't that wonderful? They knew my weakness, chocolate. But they really liked the liturgy. It was grand to be with them. 
So finally we went down to Rome. <coughs> and then I had to go back to England. So it was a magnificent trip. I also went to uh, uh, Lourdes and drank the water there. It was wonderful. And all these beautiful places. I see man is so capable of so much good. And generations before us have left us these monuments of faith, wonderful things. And they left us our sacred tradition. I think the most sacred thing that my parents gave me and my grandparents was the Catholic faith. And if you have eyes to see and you go around the world, it's like all over the place, beautiful monuments built by people of faith. But of course, they're necessary and we love them. They inspire us to prayer. But the monument of faith that you must really work on is your interior, your heart. And of course, you people have these beautiful children. You must build a temple of God. So I was reading Matthew this morning. It says, and in the prayers of Matins, it also says this, we must bow before God, not only with our neck, but with our heart. We must have a heart that is subservient and serving God. Even if you love another person, you must love that person according to the mind of God. That's sometimes difficult. So that man and wife are the cause of sanctification of each other. One of the beautiful things about living in a monastery is I have these wonderful men and uh, they may look ordinary to you, but they're dedicated to God. And they spend a lot of time every day in prayer. That's their job. People ask me, well, what do you do in the monastery? I said, well, we're a contemplative monastery and we pray. Now, other monks do teach and things like that. We don't do any of that. Our lives are dedicated to prayer. Now, a married family should be like the monastery. It's scary these days to be married. You might get the wrong partner. What a terrible thing. We're not say, say, share your faith with you. But I see the children are here. They dare share their faith. They're making the jewels for their crown. But the problem for them is to keep the, these beautiful children in the church, loving God and the beauty of the Catholic faith and safe from the world. So the uh, day before yesterday, I went down to the Divas. They, they have a little shop down in Milton Freewater, and things that break, I break things like my crosses and things like that, and they repair them for me. And I don't know that what their religion is. There's also about a block down the line, the best ice cream, I think, in the state of Oregon. So. Sometimes I get an ice cream cone, too, when we go down. Not too often. But anyway, the conversation around this work table was about 
the contemporary situation and people and their families. So these ladies, I don't know what churches they go to, but they say their church is empty. Well, that's not right. But I, they asked me what I thought. That's always dangerous. They asked me what I think. I said, well, the people that built those huge churches back east, especially, were mostly immigrants. And they, were, they learned their Catholic faith in the village in Europe. And they learned it well. And the one thing they brought to the United States was their Catholic faith, regardless of what right it was. Roman right, Mar Maronites, or Byzantines, they all brought that faith, and they all built beautiful churches. But all those churches are in danger. And Seattle, the archbishop there, is selling six churches. They're empty, and some of them are monuments. I think it's a shame. I think it's the best mistake. What we should do is try to make converts and get more people in our churches. We said, well, where are the people are supposed to be there? These ladies asked me, and you've heard me say this before. Number one, the people that people those churches had five and six and seven children. They needed a big church. I said, secondly, the schools were more on your side than they are now. We have these pagan schools that corrupt our children and tell them that our holy faith is a myth. It's not a myth. God himself came to earth, the only one that ever came as a response to prophecy. And so in the icon of the transfiguration, we see Moses and Eliah, those who prophesied the coming of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, were the only religion like that, that heaven itself told us he was coming. So they tell me their churches are empty. Our churches are growing, by the way. We're small, but we're growing. And uh, I said, well... I said, you're not growing because your children are leaving the church or you don't have enough children. You had some other idea, a mansion in the country or all sorts of things. And it takes real dedication and work to raise a family. In art society, everybody wants to be partying all the time. That's ridiculous. That won't get you to heaven. Sitting around a family and serving a meal you worked hard for and raising your children, that's jewels to get you to heaven. To live a good Catholic life. I have many classmates in New York, in the big city there. They've closed one-third of their churches. I said, what are you doing? 
There's millions of people there. Go out in the street and scream at them the gospel. Become a missionary. Not just a church maintenance person. But today I charge you on this transfiguration weekend, we have to be transformed. Now I'll tell you what happens to you when you're transformed. First of all, it's painful. Because no matter how you try, you can't love God enough. Secondly, you have to live a sinless life. Third, you have to sacrifice. The monks have built-in sacrifice. Once in a while, one comes here, and you know he doesn't realize what a monastery is about. It takes a while for him to learn that. Then he has to make the decision whether he's going to live that life or not. The fathers tell us, if you knew the difficulty you would have to live in a monastery, you would run from it. But if you know the place you were gaining in heaven, they would be packed. Good marriages are like that too. In faith, we serve Jesus Christ in our vocation, as we say as Catholics, our calling. We've got to have that mountain. St. Francis of Assisi, uh, he would go out to pray, and he didn't live a long time. He only lived to be about 34 or so. And uh, he had a lot of followers. They were very drawn by him. <clears throat> so he had to get away from them so he had some quiet to pray. And he, some friends of his, acquaintances, gave him a, a mountain. So he would go climbing up this mountain to find a spot to pray, just like Jesus did. And, of course, they'd grab him by the leg and pull him down. So we have to be careful in our lives that we don't get down, pulled down the mountain. We make choices or, around people that are negative and not filled with positive thoughts and positive prayer. They are of the world. Jesus said in John's Gospel, be in the world but not of the world. So in this conversation, she says, well, our children, they have to go to these schools so they be socialized. I said to God help us if they're socialized. They'll be destroyed. So the monks go into town to shop. We usually go two by two to protect each other. This woman comes up to Samuel here at a funeral of all places. We were in a funeral. A dear friend of ours, his son died. His son was 41 or 42. He wasn't a baby, but he had a tragic death because of the society he lived in. He did go to church, 
the priest used to tell, I met the priest there and he said they were in church every Sunday, he and his mother. But somebody gave him drugs. Evil of Satan, poison. Party, party. Hell's not half full. Don't destroy the gifts that God's given you. Is it easy to live a godly life? No, but it's worth the effort. Make God happy. So I went to the funeral. The monks went with me, and one of these women comes up to Sam and tells him, well, what are you doing with your life? You're going to become a monk. What the hell? What's the matter with her? And she's supposed to be a Catholic? I overheard this. Uh, Samuel didn't tell me. But I got Samuel away from there. I grabbed him and brought him home where he belongs. We do not preach holiness even in our children. That's sad. That's of the devil. In this poetry of the Transfiguration, the part that I always remember for some reason is that the uh, Peter, James, and, and John were there. Uh, we were talking about that yesterday. We didn't come to any conclusions just why they were there, but we had some thoughts. And uh, Moses and Elias were there, the great prophet Elias, and Christ appeared in a cloud. And the, the Father, it says in Luke's Gospel, the Father said, this is my beloved son, listen to him. This is called the theophany in theology, a manifestation of the divine. It's also proof that Jesus Christ was the very son of God in the text of the Bible, which we believe is our holy faith. And uh, at the end of that vision, the apostles wanted to build booths for them. And booths are sound like a canopy of honor, you know. And already they had turned to go back to heaven with Jesus on a cloud. So people ask me uh, occasionally, what will heaven be like? And this is a hint of what heaven's like because they came from heaven, they looked like human beings. They were holy, and then when Jesus returned on the cloud to heaven, they went back with him. So there is communication between heaven and earth. It's just that we don't always recognize it. But those two men, the prophet, two prophets, and Moses was also a priest, they were treasures to the... God the Father, and to the Son. And of course, they were in heaven. Of course, they were treasures. 
Of course, they came to tell us. What did they tell us? The message was, do not be afraid when you behold Jesus crucified and suffering. They wanted to give us courage so that people would not, would not lose faith when even though they're Christians, things don't go so well. But suffering, too, is a part of our glory, part of our party with God, party of exaltation and beauty. All of us experience pain. Even the smallest child in this church has pain. That's the product of original sin. There was no pain before that. And sometimes we have to correct our children to keep them out of harm's way. That's painful to both parents and to children. But we must do that. But most of all, we must think of our beautiful heart, our necks bent down to God, our heart adoring him. And we must give God each day, I know you're all busy, time in meditation and prayer, especially on the prayer of the heart. So, Ignatius of Antioch, I mentioned the other day, he's very holy. He knew St. Peter. They were over there in Antioch. They knew each other as part of the spread of the church. He was persecuted and he was martyred. And they burnt him, his remains, but his heart would not burn. And... When they opened his heart, it was written on his heart, Jesus, the holy name, Jesus. I hope you have a beautiful name of Jesus written in your heart. I hope that your suffering is with faith and you know that we're all in God's hands, caring for us, loving us, especially in our most suffering moment or our most happy moment. Yes, life is a party. It's a party of the ascent to the soul to heaven where the fulfillment of your very being will take place. It's a party where we eat the body and blood of Jesus Christ in the Holy Eucharist which contains not only Jesus, but the Father and the Son. That's why at the Byzantine liturgy we say to open the liturgy, blessed is the kingdom of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is the party of the kingdom that promises you eternal life. It is the party that the Father is looking for when he looks upon you and sees in your inmost being of your beautiful soul, which is contained in your heart, the jewels of your faith and good works. James warns us, don't be silly. You're not going to have any faith without good works. And we are dedicated to living the gospel life. 
So on this Transfiguration weekend, I call to mind to you your inmost being. I call to mind to you the meaning of your vocation. I call to mind you a heart, which is your heart, which is consecrated and bows before the Lord. There is room in that heart for all those you love, but especially is there room in that heart for Christ Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, who carries us in his hands, in his beautiful heart. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.